This is the First Security Financial Show with David Compton from First Security Financial Wealth Manager, Inc. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, David provides his clients and prospects with the information they need regarding Social Security, retirement income planning, wealth management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful solutions to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals, your money, and your plans in perfect harmony. And now, here is David Compton to help you find out how to be secured financially. Good morning, everyone. I'm David Compton. He's John Compton. Welcome to the first Security Financial Show. Hope you and uh, thank you for tuning in, rather. Hope you're enjoying your summer. It is definitely hot out here. Makes you doesn't want to go. Makes you not want to go outside and do a whole lot. But you really can't even if it's not raining. It's the heat's going to yeah. be one or the other, or, or a combination of both, both. of. Them. Right. Because <laughs> then once it rains in the middle of the day, the heat generate turns it into a steam bath for you. So, and then when you jump in the pool, the water's so warm it's feels like the bathtub. So, but anyway, that's why we go on vacation and get away from this this time of the year if you can. Be in a position to, but you know uh, we're glad you tuned in today. We're talking retirement as we always do, and today we're going to focus a little bit about some of the myths of retirement because sometimes there's so much information about retirement um, that at, at first on the surface might sound right, but when you dig past the surface, there's no substance to it. And the focus that, you know, we've always talked about is income is king for retirement. But in order to get to that point where you recognize that, there's a few things that you need to throw away, throw in the garbage before you recognize you can get down to the truly what's the most important things that you need to really focus on in retirement. And there are some things. And then what you may find out, there's some surprising things that you don't realize are going to be a problem in retirement right. that that is an eye-opener for a lot of people. And how that has changed over the last 20 to 30 years has been phenomenal as well. So let's talk a little about it. What are some of these um, myths? Because really we want to dispel some of those myths. And I will say some of the things that impact some people don't impact all people in retirement. So there's a, there's a few retirement myths out there that uh, we want to make you aware of as well. I think the first thing when you're planning for retirement, so if you're a younger person, maybe our, our uh, ideal listener, maybe their children, encourage your children to save early, as, as early as possible. And that's the challenge is to get kids, they cut out of college and they feel like they hadn't made any money and then they finally start making money and they want to buy things. Things, And they don't want to save. They don't want to save. Right. Uh, But encourage them at a younger age because there's going to be so many things that comes along in life that's going to want to take that money away and grab that money. And if you haven't disciplined yourself to start saving, and I'm not necessarily talking about at a huge click. We're not talking about out of the gate. If you can, if you're disciplined, to start saving 20 25% of your, your income, most people are not going to do that. That's not realistic as well. Uh, but one of the biggest things, myths, is that many people put off saving and that they can wait a few more years until you start saving for retirement. 
So as I just mentioned, they go to work. They start working. They want to buy a new car. They're paying off college loans. They, then they realize they want to buy a house. They want, then next thing you know, you got a family. you got so many things that happen relatively uh, quick, whereas the earlier you can start off, the better prepared and the better disciplined you're going to be for saving for retirement as well. But then what happens? Life goes on. You say, okay, before we start saving, we're going to pay the mortgage off and put the kids through college. Now you're in your 50s and you really haven't. You it's, it's better just to save a little bit as you go. That's exactly right. You don't have to max it out at 25% as long as you're right. saving something. And that's the whole key. Then, then you know, go back and set up an, an, an envelope system is what right. I call it. You know what I'm saying? Whereas right. when you were young and you were trying to discipline yourself, you could set up envelopes and say, I know it's what I tried to do when I was when I was single years ago, and you put a little bit of money toward the rent, a little bit of money toward a car note, and whatever bills you had, you put a little money each week. So when those bills came due, you weren't relying on one paycheck to pay for that. You can do a similar approach. If you have money coming out your checks automated in a 401K, that's the best way to do it. Right. If that, that may be the only way you can save at a younger age. And if you do that in the beginning and you and you don't see it because you never get it anyway, you never miss it. Right. And then it's when not you, part of the paycheck anymore, really. Right. And, and, and once again, if you start at that 20 age in your 20s, when you hit your 40s, you're so far ahead of the game. And then, and then what happens is, okay, you can maybe work at paying the house off, but stop and think about it. If you're contributing into your 401K and, or IRAs, and you're you're putting a little extra on the mortgage, and then you're putting money you've been putting money aside for the co- kids' college. Well, you you have nest eggs all along. Once the kids get out of college, that's money that's freed up. So what are you doing with that money? Take that money that you were putting aside for the kids, and and put it on retirement accounts and mortgage. And as you pay things off, guess what you can do? You you contribute more. We see it happen all the time with. Uh, with clients that they get into their early 50s, the kids are moved out, those strings have been severed. <laughs> Not that they never come back after that. But what happens is they find they have a lot more disposable cash. And sometimes that's good and sometimes it's not. Some people feel like, well, I finally got the kids out of the house, now it's time to do something for me yet they're behind the eight ball when it comes to saving for retirement. They really need to be more aggressive uh, toward that as well. It all depends on how important retirement is for you, what your goals are. Some people that want to work way longer in life, and they're okay with that, may opt to do different things. Maybe they remodel the kitchen. The wife wants been wanting to do that or, or the master bathroom or whatever. depends on that. But don't do it at the expense of contributing to the retirement accounts. Because your goal, really, as you get into your late 40s and early 50s, and as the kids move out and you no longer have those responsibilities, you want to start ramping up what you're contributing into your 401ks. And if every year you get a little cost of living adjustment, don't take it. Dump it into the 401k. Now you're not missing that money. Right. So the first myth we're going to dispel here is that you can wait a few more years until you start saving for retirement. That's a bad deal. That That's proven it doesn't work. Don't wait. Start as soon as you can. 
even if it's just a hundred bucks a week or a hundred bucks a month or a hundred bucks every two weeks, whatever you can do, start. You get you build in a, uh, a, a, a you know you build in a habit. You're making it a habit to be able to do that as well. And once you start doing that, and once it starts coming out of the paycheck, it, you really don't miss it. Right. Uh, and then I find it gets contagious. And then you start seeing the money's rolling there. And you after want a that couple money. Of years, yeah, it's like, say, well, okay, I did, I, I've, I've I done all right. I got $15,000, $20,000. Right, And right. then next thing you know, you got fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000. It's the same thing when you're paying debt off. Right. When you start getting stuff whittled away, it's like, all right, now I'm getting, I've got this paid off. You, now I move up to the next one. You got accomplishments, a sense of accomplishment. And what happens when when you are paying stuff off? You like, okay, I'm going to get this paid off. So what you what do you start doing? You really start stop spending money on other stuff because you're excited about getting this thing paid off. If if you are, not everybody, not everybody that gets that. But <laughs> depending on what your goals are, but. I I've seen that with myself paying off real estate. Man, I get close and it's like, this is it. I'm a, I'm determined. I'm gonna pay this thing off in the next six months. Right. And then I, I just that's what I focus on to get that thing done. And and then boy, you just and then it might save you from splurging somewhere else because your goal is to pay that off. And right. that, then that ultimately provides you with more income and liquid cash because I, because you did without for six months maybe. Right. But then all of a sudden, now you paid that off, and if that rents a thousand dollars a month, you can either dump it on another rental, or you got more in your pocket. Right, and that's the same thing. Paying off any kind of debt is right. that way, uh, and that's the one thing. There's a guy on the radio that talks about it. I won't mention his name because I don't. I don't agree with his investment and philosophies. But you start off with your smaller debts first, because mm-hmm. you can see that it's not the interest rate. So if you owe fifteen hundred bucks here and you go, wow, I can pay that off in four, three, four months. Boom, you pay that off and you, there's a sense of accomplishment. You're making progress. You see that. So then you take that same money you were putting on that one and the next debt up. What were you putting on it each month as well? And you combine the two together and you pay the next one off. And once again, you you move your way up until you get to the bigger debts. And now you can take all the resources you were paying on all of those debts and apply it to the one, and you can knock it out. And you can see a difference on the big one then. If you start with the big one first, yeah. then you get disgusted after a while because you see no change. You still have it all. Right. It's the same way when you start saving. saving. If That's you're only putting 100 bucks a month in, and you go, man, I ain't making no headway. At the end of the year, I got $1,200. I made a little money on it. It's worth 1400 you feel like, man, that's a long way. But after four, five, six years, and then maybe you you increase some of your contributions, you look in there and you see a fifteen, twenty thousand dollar number, and you feel a little bit, wow, okay, I'm making some headway here. And then it encourages you to want to contribute more. Right. The key here is don't wait too long to start it. Um, that 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 is such a key. And that's a myth that people say, oh, I can always wait till my 50s. Those are the ones that are always going to be always going to be behind the eight ball, and they're not generally going to save enough for retirement. Yeah, if you waited till you were 50 and, and, all you, and got you started is, at 20, you're 30 years behind. Yeah, you are. You've lost 30 years of compounding. You really have. That's huge. It, it, it's, a yeah. big, it's a big deal. And the, unless your income is up there enough where you can really sock away some serious money, Chances are you're not going to make be able to make that up as well. Well, we're talking retirement. We're talking about some of the myths that people have in their minds about what they can do in order to reach their retirement goals. 
We'd like to hear from you, not for today's show, but to sit down and discuss our strategies with you and how we can help you not only dispel those myths, but be able to put together a solid retirement plan uh, that will ensure that you'll never outlive your money. Give us a call, 1-800-858-3029. That's 1-800-858-3029. I get a a senior moment there every once in a while. I forget that number as many as the thousands of times that I've said it as well. Uh, Or go to the website, firstsecurityfinancialwealthmanager.com. Spell out the word first. We are going to head to our first break. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. I'm David Compton. He's John Compton. And we're once again focusing on retirement. How about some of the retirement myths? What are some myths that you've heard? Uh, the first segment, we talked about uh, the myth that you can wait to the last minute and kind of wing it in, into a retirement. No, it, it's the longer you can discipline yourself in saving, uh, the more you're going to have a better chance of having a successful retirement as well. Another important myth to uh, to kick to the curb is the idea that your company or the government's going to take care of you in retirement. That ain't going to happen. It's just not. What you have to recognize in years past, retirement was based off of a three-legged stool. Social Security, pension, and then your own money. Well, Social Security is still the leading income provider in income. But what's funny is your company pensions have fallen by the wayside. Back in the 70s, 80% of people had a pension and 20% didn't. And those numbers have flip-flopped. People we see, only 20% of the people have pension and 80% don't. And when I'm talking about a pension, I'm not just talking about people that work for the state and got a state pension because those people don't have Social Security. So that's... That's not any different than just having Social Security. You're replacing one with the other. We're talking about people that had Social Security and a pension. And if you had those two legs of income, even if you didn't do a fantastic job yourself of saving, most people lived very comfortably on those two legs of income. And that's why we call it a three-legged stool of income. And if you did good on your own money, well, then you just had just that much more of a successful of, of, a, of a retirement. Uh, but the part is what's happened in, in the whole retirement system is that you, you have to do things a little differently today. Um, you have to recognize pension is not there. So if Social Security's top of the list, and what a lot of the own money has been replaced with is 401K money. Majority of clients we sit down with, John, they might have some money outside of 401k. By and far, the largest amount are in 401k, IRAs, Roths, 403bs, or all type of retirement plans that generally are some type of payroll deduction that's associated with it. And the only reason there's more money is in IRAs today than there are in 401ks is because majority of the IRAs of money that's been rolled, rolled over, over from previous 401ks. 401ks. Right. That's why you have the bulk of the money there. So that's why we advocate if you're going to save, if you can put it on autopilot, do it. Because out of sight, out of mind, so to speak, you know it's happening every every pay period. They're taking some money out. Companies matching it if your company matches it, and you're saving that money over and over and over again. But – you know, it's it's one of these things that when circumstances and situations change, you have to adjust. 
the government's Social Security has got its own issues in itself. We're really not going to get into that aspect of it. But what we surely can tell you is you know for a fact there are no company pensions for the most part out of there. So what do you have to do? If you've done your own money, if you've done a good job of saving your own money, now that 401K could potentially be used, a portion of it, maybe a significant portion of it, can be used to set up your own personal pension. And and that's what's happened now. The companies has put that responsibility on the uh, the em- employees. They give you the 401k, they match you, and they say, "Here, it's yours. When you retire, you got you set it up. We we we're done." Right. And not only that, in the pensions, you didn't have any skin in that game. That right. was, it all was all company contributions. And what happened was, you didn't have to worry about it. And they never gave you a lump sum option. On most of those, they they the do now. The, yeah, the, today the, it's done. Some of them do, not all of them, but some right. of them do. I'd say the most of them do. And uh, but you didn't have any skin in that game. And at the end of the day, if you walked away with a paycheck for the rest of your lives, you really couldn't complain. Right. I get that. But it's because you didn't have any skin in the game that that went away. You know, to me, if there could have been a mixture of, let me. Sp- put money in the 401k but how about if i can contribute to a pension as well i got some skin in that game it could have been the best of both but I, obviously companies couldn't rid themselves of the pensions quick enough and they continued to to uh rid themselves of that i'd say in another 30 years you probably uh, what what's what's a pension what what is that what yeah. was that huh that was back in when the stone age well you know you look at the rules on the pensions the the government made these companies keep so much money in the retirement plans and when the market takes a big hit they got to make up the difference and it it puts a lot of burden on these corporations to keep those pensions going and and probably the only ones that's going to get a pension if they even still have that is your upper management is a incentive or whatever it may be to stay or come into that to that corporation do but the regular working guy yeah, no, you're right. It's gone. So what happens is part of the retirement plan, the myth is you have your 401K. Now it just uh, – I, I just have to uh, take that money and spend it as I see fit. And in reality, you're going to have Social Security. Look at what your Social Security numbers are. You've heard us talk many times that we do a Social Security maximization report. We will help you maximize and optimize and maximize your social security the difference is can you live on social security right and the majority of people don't some of them i i I consistently help clients doing using our maximization report to get it's an eye-opening experience for people to see how much social security is in in retirement how it how it's going to be a huge source of help for them in retirement and really if you do it right it takes more of the pressure off of your your own money but what we do with a lot of clients is we're able to dedicate 40 50 60 percent of their um, 401k you dedicate that to strictly for income purposes and what it does is they know it's not a guessing game. It, with the degree of certainty, when they retire at whatever age they do, they're going to get this much Social Security. 
And then we set up a personal pension for them in our fixed indexed annuity products, and they know exactly what they're going to get. And if we divide it up into multiple accounts, we can ladder it where they can take a little bit now and then later on take more. What it does is it replaces the income that they need. Right. And, and you know, you how, over the years we have so many people that come in that the ones that do that type of plan – their retirement is very successful. But you got some that come in that refuse to set up the guaranteed income streams because they like to market, and I'm not putting down on the market, but when that market goes down, and and it will go down, it will adjust, it's just the way it is, and you can't pull off what you were pulling off before, then, right. then they realize, but it's too late. And there's nothing wrong with the market, but you, like you said, you take a portion of that money, set it up for income, because that is what the 401k is for. You have to set up your own personal pension plan. And once you set that up, what's left is what you put into managed money. That's for your your want. And your future growth. Growth. That's right. Because it's, it's simply you want to have a – what we're trying to do is duplicate income – give you guaranteed income streams so that you're not going to stress in retirement and have a knee-jerk reaction. Majority of the time, people, we have major corrections in the market. People have a tendency to sell at the worst possible times simply because they're scared that it's going to go down even further and they're going to lose all their money and money that they're pulling off of income right now to live. Right. And they know that amounts are not sustainable. They don't want to go back to work. So what do they do? They sell at the worst possible time. This type of strategy and plan actually uh, prevents you to a large degree from doing that. Why? Because it never interrupts your income stream. Right. And so you don't it it, it kind of insulates you a little bit from that knee jerk reaction so when they call us and they they sit and they say david what 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 should i do we say well bob mary we got your income plan in place that's not going to be disrupted the only thing we need to look at is depending on how much your losses are in your managed money we we, we just ride that out that was part of the plan. We, we've invested. I've set up the managed money accounts based upon your risk tolerance. If you think you've got a little more risk than you were comfortable with, well, as things get back up, we'll slowly adjust that risk tolerance. Not while it's down, down low, right. but let it come back up. We'll readjust that risk tolerance so you're not as impacted the next time it dips down a little bit. The dips are going to be part of it. What you want to insulate yourself against is that you don't want your income to be dipped as well. You want your income to stay consistent. And that's this is what these plans do. This is one of those myths that that people don't understand. This is one of those myths that we help people to overcome is that simply that three-legged stool uh that process is, is somewhat outdated because of the income sources. People were comfortable in the past because they had pensions, they had Social Security. And their other money, you could do what you want with it. If you wanted more income, you could pull off of that. If you didn't need it, you lived off the other two. We just tried to duplicate what was working, what was successful. You take your other managed money, you don't... you. 
you want to pick and choose when you want to harvest gains. I want to harvest gains when the market's up, not when the market's down. Right. And I don't want to have to be dictated what the market does is to determine if I'm going to retire, when I'm going to retire, if I can stay retired, or if I have to go back to work. Don't put yourself in that position. We're going to head to our second break. I'd like to hear from you. If you want to talk to us about our strategies, how they can benefit benefit you and your spouse, give us a call, 1-800-858-3029. That's 1-800-858-3029. Or go to the website, firstsecuritywealthmanager.com or 1-800-858-3029. We're going to go to our second break. All right, welcome back, everyone. I'm David Compton. He's John Compton. We're talking retirement myths. What are some myths about retirement that you that come to your mind? Well, there's a number of different things we've been talking about. First and foremost, uh, the first myth is is talking about the myth that you can wait till you get in your late 40s, early 50s before you start saving for retirement. We know that's not the case. The idea that your company or your uh, so uh, the government is going to take care of your retirement that ain't happening either. You might think it's going to happen, but you're in for a rude awakening. Yeah. Uh, and another thing that I think that comes up more often than a lot of people don't realize is, you know, when and and really it's it's what I call the, the one of the top retirement derailers. When people come in in their late 50s and early 60s and they say, we're thinking about retiring. And then they start doing their homework. We start putting things together. We start putting income together. And we got a pretty decent plan together. And then the health insurance bill comes up and it's like, well, Bob and Mary, you're going to need to spend about $1,500 for health insurance because their company health insurance is not portable. This is an eye-opener for a lot of people and then if you've got a a spouse that's two or three years difference and even if the husband is old enough to retire and and take full benefits of social security but his wife's three years younger he might keep working depending on who's covering the health insurance right if she's got the one that's carrying the health insurance for the family then she's going to have to continue to work he can retire she may not like that or if it's him then he's going to maybe work a little bit longer to carry health insurance for both of them so she's old enough to retire. It's about whether your health insurance is portable or not. Here's the key. According to the Employee Benefit Research Institute, reported that only 13% of all private sector employees offered retiree medical benefits. They used to be very common that you retired. Your your, uh, company insurance was portable. You could take it with you. That is not the case anymore. That's fallen by the wayside at almost as quick as pensions have. Right. It just it's just not there any longer as well. Uh, but here's the here's the the clincher. In a study by Hewitt Associates, they found that health care expenses can cost retirees twenty percent of their annual income. So that's huge. That's a, that's a big chunk of your I'm money. So if you're getting if you're getting a hundred if you're getting a thousand dollars a month, two hundred goes toward health insurance. That that that's not a good statistic. Statistic, and that number is going to continue to rise as health care costs continues to get more expensive. Why? Because more and more people are going to be on in in the system as well. So when you go to retire, you got to look at your health insurance. Is it portable? Once you you say yeah, but once I get sixty five, I'm on Medicare. Well, you know what? Medicare is 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 a bigger problem for the government than Social Security is. 
because Medicare costs is just mushrooming out of control because you have an aging population. So uh, this is definitely a concern. So if you think you're going to be able to carry that medical cost, be able to absorb that cost, you, you, you need to really look at the numbers and have monies set aside. And it doesn't mean if you have a medical procedure, you're going to need an extra 100000 here, 50. No, we're talking about something that kind of drains your monthly income as you go along. So if it's taking 20% of your annual income, okay, what can I put in place to help me offset that cost? You need the ability to give yourself a raise in retirement. Once again, it goes back to that personal pension. If you can turn on another income stream because health care cost is there. Medicare, once you get on Medicare, your health care expenses, your cost for the health care is going to decrease significantly. But it doesn't mean it goes away because Medicare doesn't pay for everything. That's the other eye-opener. Medicare pays, if when it comes to... Uh, home health care, it, it's going to cover some after surgeries. If it comes to long-term care, Medicare only covers in a long-term care facility for a certain number of days after you've had a medical procedure, whether it's a surgery, whether you had a stroke or, or some kind of uh, a medical problem, they'll cover temporarily. As long as they see that you're getting better. Excuse me. Yeah, if, if you're not getting better, they'll stop paying. They'll stop paying. They, well, they won't. They'll move you. Or if you're in a nursing home receiving that care, which is commonly where that uh, care is administered, then what will happen is they'll come to you and say, okay, uh, you either need to go home, you um, need this, or start picking up the bill here, or you need to start having a conversation about a facility for some type of long-term care. Long-term care is a whole separate entity in itself. People that think that the and Medicare, Medicare doesn't pay for it. Right. It doesn't pay for it. So what happens is if that person needs to be in a nursing home, now they start looking at, at assets. All right. How much assets do you have? If you've got too much assets, they're going to make you spend your money first. It's called spend down. Then once your money gets down to a certain point, the state, Medicaid program, not Medicare, Medicaid program kicks in to cover that. You got to watch what you ask for because sometimes you do get that and then you may find out that that's not what you want to get. But what happens more often than not, the surviving spouse, the spouse is still at home, is left destitute because they've had to spend all their money caring for the other spouse. It is part of what happens. That is probably the one of the bigger challenges facing a lot of retirees today because the percentages for people going into nursing homes and needing that type of care is continuing to rise as well. Another myth that I want to address is is that you will need somewhere around 70 to 80% of your retirement income. Or in other words, you need to keep... So if you're making 100,000 a year, you need 70 to 80,000 in income in retirement. Yeah, I, I never was a big fan of applying or kind of that. That's a rubber stamp for me that you say everybody across the board needs 70 to 80 percent. It's just not the case. You have to look at your own individual circumstances. And if you look just off of that, some people might need 100 percent. Why? Because they got they've got the debt, the lifestyle, 
that that requires that they have that. Now, the difference is, is do you have the assets to be able to maintain that in retirement? That's a different story. So I've never been a fan of putting – so that's like an average. An average doesn't give you a true indication of, of what you need uh, or what kind of returns you're going to get. So you, you really need to sit down and, and put together a budget and know, hey, this is how much money we need to maintain our lifestyle. Not pension pennies, but maintain our lifestyle. You could, yours could be sixty, seventy thousand a year, but you're used to making one hundred and twenty. That's you in your particular situation. You might be below the averages. That's fine. You might be above the averages, but don't look at those averages as hardened rules. That's that's somewhat of a myth. You got to look at your own individual circumstances, your own individual uh, uh, income needs, your own individual uh, spending. And, and another aspect of this that I consider to be a myth is that many people think that they will, um, in the first part of their retirement years, this part is not a myth, by the way, is that when you first retire, if you retire young enough to where you want to go do a bunch of things, you might spend a little bit more. The myth comes in is that as you get older, you're going to spend less. But what happens once you're retired 10, 12, 15 years and you say, yeah, now we're in our upper 70s, we're pushing 80, we're not going to spend as much that amount of money that we were earlier. Well, you may not be spending it for the same things, but what generally happens is we don't know where inflation is going to kick in. The cost of living may increase, and you may find that it takes just as much or more just to maintain the standard of living. Forget about all the traveling you were doing and all the other activities you were doing. And if you don't think that's true, think back 15 years ago what things cost. Cars, gas, food, medical. Just think about 15 years ago, if you can remember that far back. I don't know if I can, but 15 years things were a lot cheaper than they are right now yeah so going forward i i can almost promise you and guarantee you 15 years from now it's going to be a whole lot more expensive well and what we've just enjoyed over the past five to ten years really since katrina gas spiked tremendously and it's come back down none of us thought we at, at in the last 10 years gas prices dipped below two dollars a barrel i mean $2. I mean, excuse me, $2 a gallon. I mean, stop and think about it. For those of you, if you're listening to this, let me see by a show of hands how many of you thought gas prices would dip below $2 again after we saw what happened in Katrina. Yeah. None of us did. It just, nobody did. So the point I'm making with that is we've been on a run. And in reality is at some point, this stuff's going to start stepping up in value, and that's going to eat away our ability to to buy the same things with the same amount of money. So that, that could especially def- with a low interest rate environment, that's the killer. It, it is definitely yep. a killer. So there's a lot of myths about retirement. Maybe some of them you have. Maybe some that we haven't even covered today. We would love to be able to cover some of those myths with you and put together a solid plan for you and your spouse that will help you be on the right track toward retirement and give you the confidence that when you want to retire in five, seven, ten years, that you know that you will be able to accomplish and meet those goals. You're going to write this number down, 1-800-858-3029. That's 1-800-858-3029. Or go to the website, 
FirstSecurityFinancialWealthManager.com. Spell out the word FIRST or 1-800-858-3029. We're going to head to our last break. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. I'm David Compton. He's John Compton. We've been talking about some of the myths of retirement. Everybody has their own perceptions about what it takes to retire. You have ideas. Maybe you saw from your parents or grandparents. But there's a lot of things that just don't apply today that may be applied 25, 30 years ago. Uh, We've talked about the cost of health insurance. We talked about how much percentage of income you're going to need, how you're – we also talked about, um, I'm trying to think of what the first one, I'm drawing a blank on it, what we first talked about, the, the aspect that um, people wait too late to save money. Right. Everybody thinks we can catch up, you'll be able to catch up. Uh, how health care costs is not portable. Many people think that you only, for some, there's a hardened rule of 70 to 80% that you need to save for retirement. You have to look at your own individual circumstance and situation. I don't like those hardened rules like that because I think they bite you in the behind. But I think one of the biggest things, too, and we, we, we even mentioned about that three-legged stool, how people always in the past could rely on that pension and how today you really need to establish your own personal pension. But the last one is something I still hear people occasionally say, the myth that they can live just off the interest of their money. That is a big one now. That's a big <laughs> myth. <laughs> now, we used to see 25 years ago, if somebody retired and they had CDs paying 6%, and you had 200000 well, that's $12,000 a year. That's pretty good. That, that they, they could do that. If you had 300000 you got eighteen. You had 500000 you got $30,000 a year. Many, many, many retirements used to be based on that. And occasionally I hear clients come in and say, well, I just want to put my money somewhere where I don't erode my principal at all. I just want to live off the interest off of it. You know, remember, many people have lived on that, uh, uh, have retired based on that 4% rule. You take 4% off of your uh, off of your money and you increase it each year based on inflation. And then you, down the road, the whole idea is that you'll have over 30 years, you should have enough money to live. They didn't say anything about 30 years having just pulling interest off of that. There's a combination of interest right. and principal. And the idea was that you would do what? You would not run out of money, not just live off the interest. So that is a huge myth that you'll just only be able to. Now, that make that could change in another five years of interest rates if we get into double-digit inflation and now you're getting CDs. 10, 12%, hey, that's a whole different ballgame. And then we'll be retired. Yes, exactly right. So that'll work for me. Yeah, work for me. I, I like that. Uh, shift some of your money into safe assets and don't yeah. worry about what the market does. That's right. I can get, if I could get 7 8 6% even in the even. fixed, that, those, those are good returns yeah. without any risk. That, that, that's, that's the key. That's the key right there. That's why I, I, I know my grandparents were – my grandmother was one of my first clients – Back in, when was that? Late 80, 89, 90, in that range. And um, that's all she worried about. She didn't want to lose no money. She she uh, came out of CDs that were paying. Well, all she had fresh in her mind were CDs when Jimmy Carter was president. And there was she was getting 16%, 18% a year on CDs. 
She had a hard time. Mind with that. Bo- yeah, mind boggling number. So uh, she would really, really have been struggling if she was alive the last 10 years in these CD rates. It would have made her so mad. Yeah. <laughs> I know when she passed, she had an annuity that you, you took out that was paying, what, 7%? No, it was actually we put it in there. It averaged a little over nine percent a year. Her money tripled. I knew she'd never touch money in it, uh, never touch any of that money. But it went to my mom and her her two sisters, and uh, did quite well. Did really well. She still had her CD money. That was her play money. That's what she, she liked calling around and checking. Oh well, yeah, but that was interest. That she used the CD money to take her little trips and to do her. She, you know, she had that money close by. And at that time, she was still making a half-decent return in CDs, 5 6%. So she she was somewhat okay with that. But the reality is we can't the, – the prospect of just living off the interest only is not a true reality in today's environment. Okay? Yeah, when the market's rising like it has been, you've got gains there to harvest. But you know as well as I do that can all f- – change on a flip of a switch and in the next two or three years we could be down the market could be in the negative you could be down 30 40 50 percent so now you've not only lost gains but you've lost some of your principal as well that's why setting up a plan an income plan as part of your retirement plan is so essential and when we look at the interest rates uh, you know, bonds have done well, but they're not doing that well now. Fixed indexed annuities are outperforming the bonds consistently. Why? Because you've got growth built into it. There's no downside risk to them. Every year on the anniversary date, if, if it's done annually, you lock in your gains every single year and you give none of it back. And you can, and they're, you, we use them ex- extensively to provide lifetimes of income for the husband and wife. And the beauty of these annuities, unlike what most people have been told about all annuities, is that upon the death of this husband and wife, what's left in the account pays out to the heirs 100%. Not all annuities do that. Understand that. The ones we use do. It's all part of planning. This is, And that's another myth is that once you put your money in the annuity, you can't get it out. Well, you know what? All of my 401k IRAs are in those. And, man, over the last 10 or 12 years, they've have, done well. They've done well. I've had years as double-digit returns. But I've probably averaged anywhere from 5 to 7% over the last, you know, 10 to 12 years, which I'm okay with that because right. I've never given any of it back. And that's the key. Moving forward, I think that's going to be just as important as anything else. But there's a lot of people out there that beat up on annuities, and they say that one guy said he would die and go to hell before he would buy an annuity. And, you know, that that's that's his platform, and people people that that appeal to, appeals to are, are the ones that's going to, going to deal with them. But the key with that is he's primarily – um, focusing on the the things that he attributes to annuities are, are predominantly with variable annuities. And what he does is he misleads people into thinking they apply to all annuities. Right. And that is a misleading. That's not a myth. He is truly misleading people when you can rubber stamp and say 
all annuities are wrong under all circumstances, under all situations. That's not, that's not, he's not correct there. That's not a myth. And he's, he's misleading people because there's a lot of situations and circumstances that people, their best fit is in with an annuity. And when we show plans, I show plans for people that say, hey, we can put all your money in managed money and give you income streams. But people understand the risk. The risk is not a myth. It's a reality. Right. And so when I build a plan for people that says, hey, how about if we take 50% of your 401k money and dedicate it to an income in conjunction to a social security plan that helps you to identify the best time to optimize social security? And with those two together, give you way more income than you have. And in many cases... A number of clients is just as much money income that they're getting while they were working. Yeah. And then guess what? Still got 50%, maybe even 60% of your money in managed platform based upon your current risk tolerance. And guess what? You've got more. That's your want money. You've got more money than you. And as that money continues to grow, you can harvest it. But if the money's down, you don't have to touch the money. You don't have to make a. So that means you don't lose. Because you didn't touch it because you didn't have to touch it. Right, and you don't make a knee-jerk reaction because the market's down and you realize you're not going to jeopardize your retirement future because the market uh, takes a hit on your portfolio. So It it, works the same way as when you were working in 08 when the market dropped 50%. You're still getting paid at work. You're still getting paid. Same thing here. You're still getting paid from your retirement checks. It's just that because your income was set – you were still getting your paychecks. You didn't worry about the market money because it didn't affect the way your standard of living money. That's it. It's called a retirement plan. If you'd like right. to see what it, what one looks like for you, you got to write this number down, 1-800-858-3029. 1-800-858-3029. Go to the website, firstsecuritynfinancialwealthmanager.com like to hear from you though 1-800-858-3029 it's going to wrap up another show we'll be back next week and thank you for listening to the first security financial show don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound retirement plan for more information please contact david compton at first security financial wealth manager inc Call 800-858-3029 or visit their website at firstsecuritynfinancialshow.com. All matters discussed during the show are for informational purposes only. Opinions expressed are solely those of First Security Financial Wealth Manager, Inc. and staff. All topics covered are believed to be from reliable sources. However, First Security Financial Wealth Manager, Inc. makes no representations as to its accuracy or completeness. This commercial shall in no way be construed as a solicitation to sell securities or investment advisory services to residents of any state other than Louisiana or where otherwise permitted. Topics should be discussed with your individual advisor prior to implementation. Fee-based financial planning and investment advisory services offered through First Security Financial Wealth Manager, Inc., a registered investment advisor in the state of Louisiana. Insurance products and services are offered through an affiliated company, David Compton, Inc., DBA First Security Financial.